Chair, staff is ready when you are. Great, thank you so much. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to the March, or sorry, welcome to the April 20th, 2023 Active Transportation Commission. The media is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the rolls to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Hodell? Here. Commissioner Harris? Here. Commissioner Gibson? Here. Commissioner Rowe? Here. Commissioner Gonzalez? Here. Commissioner Hopped? Here. Commissioner Brassel? Here. Commissioner Granville? Here. Commissioner Lee? Here. Commissioner Banks? Here. And Chair Dewar Westbrook? Here. Thank you, we have quorum. Thank you. Okay, please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwan Wintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on this ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. And remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. To the original, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Again, with land acknowledgements, <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Right. I would like to remind members of the public in chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment, uh, com public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you're online, click on raise your hand on the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. If you're calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips and the raised hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We'll now proceed with today's agenda. Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? I move for approval of the consent agenda. Is there a second? I'll second. Wonderful. So I have a motion from Commissioner Hopped and a second 
from Commissioner Brazel. Will the clerk please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Hodell? Aye. Commissioner Harris? Aye. Commissioner Gibson? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Commissioner Gonzalez? Abstain. Commissioner Hopped? Aye. Commissioner Brassel? Aye. Commissioner Granville? Aye. Commissioner Lee? Aye. Commissioner Banks? Aye. And Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Thank you so much. Okay, so we're going to go just slightly um, out of order with the agenda. Um, the staff presentation is uh, was not listed online, so um, we're going to start with the staff presentation from Jennifer, if that's okay with you. Chair, happy to. Um, hi, everybody. Jennifer Donlin-Wyant, Transportation Planning Manager, giving you a, a brief oral update on some items that have been before you um, so that I'd like to keep you apprised of and moving on. Um, so quick rundown. Central City Mobility Plan, which was before you a while ago. Um, many of you maybe weren't seated when this item came before the commission, which includes a lot of bikeways downtown, including 19th, 21st, extension of P&Q, I Street, and the conversion of 5th Street to two-way. Um, the work has begun. It began on 19th and 21st. We expect the construction to happen through the summer into the fall. We'll see how long that construction takes. Um, the other item that's currently under construction, as you know, is the Del Rio Trail. Um, we're excited for that awesome project moving forward. That is an incredible endeavor, um, but that is under construction. Also coming soon will be the Broadway Complete Streets project. Um, and so we expect that construction to start sometime this summer, and that's Broadway essentially between 3rd and 24th streets. So a lot of effort that has come before you as a commission that is moving forward into construction um, right now. So our, our teams that manage construction are quite busy right now. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to update you on, we had given a presentation and reference uh, a, a forthcoming update to our street design standards, uh, which is section 15 of our design procedures manual. Um, I know that this has been something um, of an ask for our commission for a while. And I just wanted to let you know that uh, we're moving that forward. Uh, it's been a bit of a delay with staffing challenges, but we are fully staffed up and we're looking forward to issuing an RFP, request proposals to hire a consulting firm to help us with that. And then last but not least, you, uh, we brought before you an update for our work zone detour effort. So when we have work in the right of way and it obstructs a, a sidewalk or a bikeway, how we handle that. Again, we had some staffing challenges and now we're staffed up. And one of the things that's paused it a little bit is that we created an internal narrative of a policy, and we realized that um, in order to provide our teams with the best tools to be successful with the policy, we need to do a little bit more work and provide example designs so that they have them. So that slowed us down a little bit in pre uh, to prepare those, but it is moving forward, and as soon as we are able, hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll bring that before commission for their input. So that's my overall of projects that have been before you to update on where you're at. The last thing I wanted to update was that we have a new commissioner today. Uh, Isaac Gonzalez joins us. And Isaac, I thought we'd give you a minute or two to introduce yourself. Um, thank you, uh, Jennifer. You know, I'm totally shy, so that's very hard for me to do. Um, good evening, everybody. My name is Isaac Gonzalez. I'm a lifelong resident of the city of Sacramento, and I'm very happy to be joining all of you uh, this evening uh, on this commission. I've uh, spoken in favor of many uh, different uh, active transportation projects, served with Deb on uh, the board of Saba as president uh, for a while, and um, as president of my own neighborhood association, have uh, advocated on behalf of pedestrian infrastructure improvements when um, projects have come before 
our neighborhood association, taking it to planning commission, appealed it to city council, fought for hawk signals and whatnot. So I'm really, really happy to be here and I hope that I can be useful and help uh, entice people in our community to engage a little bit more in active transportation, uh, think about it in ways that we're not so car-centric and a little bit more mindful of all users of the street. Um, myself, I, I was born and raised in Meadowview, um, so I'm really looking forward to speaking about Florin Road uh, this evening, uh, uh, that whole stretch between Greenhaven and 24th. I'm well familiar the first 12, 13, 14 years of my life, I probably rode my bike on that almost every single day as soon as I could ride a bike, so I'm really happy to talk about that. Um, also, too, I will just say um, I've been personally impacted so many times um, by unfortunate incidents that have happened in our, um, our community, many of which resulted in fatalities and many of which because of our car-centric design and some of our legacy uh, arterial corridors. So I'm looking forward to hopefully speaking uh, in favor of improvements to the built environment that reduces the opportunities for similar fatalities in the future and anything else that can make sure that everyone gets to enjoy our street, no matter if you're in a car or not. So thank you, Jennifer, and I look forward to meeting you all and talking to you all one-on-one um, -on -one in the future. Great, thank you so much, Isaac. Commissioner um, and Chair, back to you. Thank you so much, Jennifer, and welcome to the commission, Isaac. Looks like you are going to bring a wealth of experience to this group, so really excited to work with you. Okay. Um, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? but I'll give you guys a second. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, there's no vote required for this, so we can move on to the next item, but thank you so much, Jennifer. Really appreciate your flexibility and giving us that update to start the meeting. Okay. Let's go back to my... Page All right. Um, our next item is item three the United States Army Corps of Engineers, American River Common Features, 2016, Sacramento River East Levy Contract. Is there a staff presentation? Fantastic. All right. Good evening. Um, I'm Nicole May. I'm the program manager for the American River Common Features 2016 program. This is Austin Hunt, who's the senior project manager for the um, feature that is seepage, stability, overtopping, and erosion. Could we click our own slides? Thank you. <laughs> um, this is just an overview of what I'm going to talk about. It's kind of like big picture, what's the program, and then drilling down into this contract specifically and even more specifically, the bike trail impact. So um, this project is, is a congressionally authorized project. It really is a true partnership amongst all levels of government from Congress to the federal level with them and us, the Army Corps of Engineers down to the state with the Central Valley Flood Protection Board, primarily working through the Department of Water Resources and the local agency, Sacramento Area Flood Control Agency. It really takes a partnership at all levels of government as well as outside agencies to include the city and our contractors. So what is this project or program? It really is a flood risk reduction program. It's primarily to address the flood risk associated with the confluence of the American and the Sacramento rivers. They're two uh, high flow rivers with a significant overshed. You can see in this image, the blue areas are approximately nine to 12 feet deep and the red areas are approximately 20 feet deep. Um, 
it includes several different portions of the project. We've broken it into features to include seepage stability and overtopping erosion, and uh, we're widening the Sacramento Weir and Bypass. We're approximately doubling that. It is going to, um, I like to say what makes us special is that we are fully proactively upfront funded with the federal dollars through the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018. And so we are currently in our fifth year of construction, wrapping up about $200 million of improvements on the east side of the Sacramento River. So why are we doing this? Um, specifically with this contract, it's to address seepage stability and overtopping. And so you can see in this image, there's two different types of seepage. There's through seepage and under seepage. Um, there's two different ways to address seepage. The first engineering solution would be to build a berm. However, in the east side of the Sacramento River, it's a densely populated urban area, and so we don't have a lot of space to build a berm, and so we go with the second option, which is to, to um, put a cutoff wall through the center of the levee. So you can see that image here. If you can imagine, the cutoff wall is a cement slurry-type wall um, designed with low permeability to stop the water from flowing through. So how do we do this? In uh, contract four, we're gonna be using two different methods, the deep mix method and the jet grout method. So on the right-hand side of the screen, you'll see the jet grout method. Both of these methods are really an altered drill rig. Um, the jet grout has a nozzle in it, so they drill a hole, and then they kind of clear, a, clear the hole, and then they fill it with a cement slurry type um, mixture. And you can see that they're overlapped so that we can ensure a contiguous type of wall. The DMM method is similar, but it's more of a mixing method. They drill down, and then it has like a big mixer, fill, fill it with the cement slurry mixture, and then they, they raise and lower the, um, the rig so that it, it ensures that it's mixed all the way through. So here's an overview of the bike trail impacts associated with the Sacramento River East Levy Contract 4, which is our 2023 construction effort. There's five areas that will be impacted. This will be at I Street, uh, Front Street, Sutterville Road, Garcia Bend Park, and Freeport Boulevard. Our contract has some standard items to include to ensure that there is uh, safe and secure access. We also require our contractor to submit a traffic um, I'm sorry, a pedestrian and bicycle traffic control plan that has been coordinated and approved with the city. It basically includes the means and methods to be used in providing access during construction. It must include all traffic control, detours, temporary markings and signage, and any other work that is required to ensure access. Um, we also include a requirement for signage. The signage has to identify uh, route closures detour routes, roadway markings to designate temporary bike lanes, uh, notify motorists to share the road with bicyclists, and a contact number to call with questions and or concerns. Any impact to the bike trails has to be restored to the current or better condition at the end of the contract. So I'll go over each of these sections individually. The first is the I Street detour. Um, the key there you can see is the green is the existing bike trail. The red identifies where the closure will take place, and the blue identifies the detour route. There are two that you can see on here. That's due to the one-way traffic requirements. The bottom route would be the southern route. Um, it goes Rail Yards Boulevard, 5th Street to I Street, 
And then the upper would be the northern route. It goes 3rd Street to J Street to 8th Street to F Street, 7th, and Rail Yards. The next slide gives you a visual of what was included as part of our contractor's plan for signage. So you can see there's a lot of signage that happens. Um, the bike path closed signage at the access point, and then along the way, signs for the detour and those little orange triangle signs, it's hard to see, but those are the share of the road with the bike bicycle lists. It's hard to say. Sign. So, um, it's kind of the what, why, when for each of the different areas. Why we're closing this bike path here is because we need to raise, do a levee raise here. So we need to, you know, ensure that it's primed for us to build the raise, and then we build the raise, and then we'll replace the bike trail on top. Um, the, the estimated work. So this work is currently an option in our contract, which we haven't awarded yet due to some real estate. And so we anticipate this will be awarded within the next couple of months. So this is an estimated timeline of when the work would take place. Here's the front street detour. It's the same key. So green is the existing bike path. Red is the closure. Blue is the detoured route. And that detour just goes on front street. It would have similar signage. The bike trail here is being removed because we are completing a cutoff wall in front of the Weston, or I'm sorry, this is at a PG&E line. Um, it's just a small jack route wall, so the work would be fairly quick. Uh, it's late August to early September or through November is when we anticipate that that work will be taking place. The Sutterville Road detour, again, same key. This uh, detour goes along Sutterville Road to Riverside Boulevard to 25th Avenue. Here is an example of some of the signage that you will see there or currently see because that detour is already in place. Why this is happening here is because we're building a cutoff wall there in front of the Westin on the water side of the Westin. A portion of that would be jet grout, and a portion of that would be deep mix method. Um, the bike trail has to be removed so that we can install the cutoff wall, and then we'll rebuild it and replace the trail there. It is anticipated to take the entire season, so from April until October. Here you'll see two. So the one to the left is the uh, Garcia Bend Park. That is going to be closed and so we just want to make sure that people have an access route that goes down um, around the park since they can't no longer have access there and then at the far right hand side that's the freeport regional water area to bill conlin park um, the streets for the detour at garcia bend are a uh, pocket down to shore park here is the example of the signage plan This is gonna be closed for construction. There's gonna be some truck traffic going through Garcia Bend Park because um, we're doing some improvements upstream of that at Sump 132. And then at the Freeport area, that's a primary, there's a limited amount of access points along the east side of the Sacramento River. So that's a primary point for them to access. We have some work that's happening uh, downstream of that area. That work is anticipated to take place April through October, so the entire season. 
So here's just an example of some signage requirements. Uh, we are required to notify the city 14 days in advance of any detour or closure. Um, we need to post that signage 14 days before any detour or closure. And there's uh, proper signage needs to exist throughout the entire closure or detour. There's also some instances that are temporary closures due to truck traffic. We require the contractor to have flaggers or any, um, those type of things to ensure that there's safety for the public. We just wanted to highlight the coordination that's been done with the city. So we coordinated the bicycle traffic control plan was reviewed and approved as well as an encroachment permit with the city that was approved earlier this month. Subject to your questions, that is all that I have. Thank you. Thank you so much for your presentation. Um, Clerk, are there any members of the pu public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised uh, online. Thank you. Uh, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? And I see a few, uh, starting with Commissioner Hopped. Thank you. Thank you for that presentation. The levy work's been going on for several years. Is this the last year of uh, the levy work that will impinge on the bikeway? So it is the last year for seepage and stability improvements, pending everything goes well and we don't get extended into the next season. Um, but we do have some erosion improvements that will continue on through 27. And there's always going to be improvements at some time in the future um, when there's a levy there. We just don't know what we don't know. The design solutions are only you know designed for a 50-year span. So I mean, it's inevitable we will be back. We just don't know when. So has the erosion control the riprap that you plan to put on the levee? Yes. And will that impinge on the bike trail at all? Or it should will that not. be done entirely from the river? There might side? be some flagger crossing guards requirements, but all of the work on the Sacramento River will be done by barge. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Uh, thank you for the presentation and for all the important work you're doing to protect our city from flooding. Um, and I appreciate your use of the term Garcia Bend Park, which many people don't pronounce um, properly with the Portuguese. I was um, educated in the beginning. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, just a quick uh, either question or comment. I don't know how to take this actually. But um, with the signage plan that you have, I might recommend uh, adding some other additional signage, maybe to call 311 or the contractor to replace missing signage because uh, over those lengths of um, time where there will be road detours, it's probably not unlikely that signage will fall down, be blown away, be hit by vehicles, and otherwise, you know, unfortunately, um, maybe steer people in the wrong direction because of missing signage. So some kind of signage at the beginning and the end of the detours to tell people where to go or how to report missing signage, I think would be a wonderful addition to your plan. Thank otherwise, you very thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Yeah. Uh, also, thank you so much for all the work done on this. Um, I've read some articles recently where it's likely that we'll look at a really big flood. So anything that we can do to not have that happen is great. That said, um, I'm a longtime cyclist that uses the levee quite often for getting to and from. And I'm a little bit concerned about the very first um, closure that you talked about over by the I Street Bridge. That's a huge artery for people going onto the American River Bike Trail heading up to Folsom and, and parts, you know, into Sacramento and Sac County. And when that was closed last for, I, it was levy work then too, I believe, um, 
the area often was, the gate was cut open and people found a workaround and it was less than um, great. So it, it became dangerous actually for people to, it was a really small area that was closed, but it was gated and signed. signed. However, people still found a way to cut through the gate and then go through. So I'm curious about what kinds of ideas you have for that and just the length of time our, these, our levies, um, well, part two of this, I'll, I'll give you two questions. That's one. The other one is when you say that you'll restore the levy to better or the same or better, I'm curious about does that include um, foliage and trees, et cetera, because when you look at the parkway right now where the work that's going on over by Sac State and Cal Expo, all of those trees have been cut down to do work there and it's gonna be a really long time before there's shade back on that area. It's gonna be really hot, so I'm curious. So to your first question, um, we are aware of the security issues with the fencing. We can't control all things, no matter how bad we would want to. Um, but we do require that the contractor keep the site secure. They're responsible for it to make sure that they are only opening and closing gates as they're requiring access. Sometimes when there's a lot of haul trucks, they open the gate all day, but they have somebody that is supposed to stand there and ensure that nobody else is coming through the gate. Um, so we do have measures in place. It doesn't always work out the way that we would like, but I will take it back to the team and make sure that to highlight that that's an area that is highly trafficked and so we need extra measures there. For your second question, when I say, and thank you for asking the question because I do wanna be clear, when I say that we're fully restore it to the existing condition or better, it does not include foliage, foliage is that the right word, or trees, <laughs> um, or any vegetation, it, it means that we'll bring it back by survey to the existing grade and that we will repave it the way that it has been before. Um, the, we only remove the vegetation that is required as a result of being in our actual construction footprint. And then when we build it back, we have regulations that don't allow us to put vegetation within 15 feet of the levee toe prism. Um, so that's the reason why. But we do mitigate for all of our vegetation impacts. So in this case, for the east side of the Sacramento River, we have a big mitigation site at um, Beachstone Lake Levee. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what that is, but we actually, through our partner, the Sacramento Area Flood Control Agency, pre-mitigated for all of our impacts on the east side of the Sacramento River. The site is doing very good. It is lush and it, it looks great now. Uh, Vice Chair Harris. Oh, other way. I'm looking at the, I see Melissa. The <laughs> Melissas, they got me again. Commissioner Harris. <laughs> oh. Ms. May, wonderful presentation. Thank you so much. Um, I, I think you were incredibly clear about the closures. Um, I have noticed on other, in other levy work, uh, quite a bit of use of the actual um, trails by construction workers as a access to the roads and I want to know if you could speak to the plan for that and flagging um, I'm specifically concerned I've seen um, civilian vehicles being used on those trails and I assume they're they're contractors in their own private vehicles um, but I, I just want to know if there's a plan for that because sometimes um, the visibility of vehicles that are um, uh, civilian type, not work trucks, are, are less visible to cyclists and people of maybe limited mobility or, or um, they're just not as visible 
to somebody who might be cycling and has also sometimes a perception of um, perhaps illicit use that encourages other illicit use, even though I haven't seen that. Um, so if you could just speak to those, to that portion of the plan and use. Sure, so when, um, when the area is not closed and we still are accessing it, so in personal vehicle or in rare instances of truck traffic, then they are required to have crossing guards or flaggers. So I'll make sure to remind them of that requirement. Um, hopefully that would address the concern. I think it would also just be helpful to make sure that they're using marked vehicles, um, whether that's um, the Army Corps or contractor. Um, I'm sure that the use is legitimate, um, but it, it can encourage on some of these trails other people to use those trails and just create a um, hazardous situation. Thank you. Good feedback, thank you. Okay, not seeing any additional questions. Uh, thank you so much for your presentation. I think it was really informative and I um, liked Commissioner um, Gonzalez's recommendation to include signage around directing people to 311 because that's something we're often encouraged to do um, on this commission and by city staff is to report issues to 311. So um, if there's any way for there to be coordination between the city and, and you all doing the work, I think that could be really great. Um, I did have one question around the first traffic detour. Um, and if there's any thought around like the level of traffic stress for folks that are gonna be now riding um, that route instead of the path, which doesn't have any interaction with vehicles. Um, so yeah, wondering if you could share a little bit of the thinking about um, why you guys decided to go that way instead of somewhere else? I could get back to you. Oh, okay. Our engineering team does a lot of analysis about which way that they can go and then in coordination with the city, make sure that that route is safe and that it is good for to share with bicyclists. So I can check with them and, and see if they considered other routes or why they settled on that one. Yeah, I, th I think that would just be helpful in general because you know we are asking people to go you know, fairly far out of their way um, and out on a facility that has vehicles where the trail doesn't. So I think um, just in general, when we're doing detours, really wanting to be conscious about where we're now asking folks to ride and not deterring them from getting on their bicycle. Sure, I assure you there's a lot of thought put into okay. it. I'll just, I'll get back to you on the specifics. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, well, this item was um, received in discussion, so there is no vote required. Um, but thank you both so much for your time. And um, Chair, I just wanted to say briefly, for those of us who will be under 20 feet of water, yes. should the levee fail, thank you for your work. <laughs> um, yeah. We're willing to put up with a little bit of inconvenience. I appreciate that much more than you know. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Awesome, thank you. Have a good evening. Okay, we are moving right along. Um, the next item is item four, Florin Road Highway Safety Improvement Projects. Is there a staff presentation? Yes, there is. Wonderful. Good evening, Commission. My name is Adam Randolph. I'm a senior engineer with the Public Works Department, the designer of this project, along with many others, which Jennifer's actually mentioned a couple tonight. <laughs> um, concentrating on Florin Road for now, however, um, this is our Florin Road Highway Safety Improvement Project. Um, tonight I'm going to introduce the project, kind of tell the why are we doing it, um, what does it involve, 
I'm going to walk through the particular um, or active transportation components of it, and then also provide a schedule review when we're going to finish designs, when we're going to get to construction. So starting with this project, um, it's a highway safety improvement project, and it's actually two highway safety improvement projects. Uh, we happen to have Florin Road on our high injury network, and it needs a little bit of help. So um, we were able to seek funding for safety improvements in two different, different funding cycles from Caltrans. Uh, we're awarded for both. They actually overlap each other directly, so we combined it all into one big construction project so we could do our best to get in and get out. Um, it, again, it's, it, it is funded through highway safety improvement funds, which I think a lot of you know are pretty limited funds, very um, directed towards particular types of improvements. But in addition to that, when we got in there and saw what was really needed, uh, we saw uh, some additional improvements, specifically mobility, pedestrian improvements. Um, so we went back to SACOG, Sacramento Area Council of Governments, and requested additional funds here so we can fill that gap and make sure this project is as good as we can make it. So it cover, the first project that we're doing covers seven different intersections. Um, that includes work at Greenhaven, Southland Park, Freeport Boulevard, Amherst, 21st Street, Tam O'Shanter, and 24th Street. Um, these are all signal modifications. Um, a lot of it is improving visibility for drivers, but this is also going to include a lot of pedestrian improvements, um, curb ramps, widened medians, improved, um, improved access to bus stops. Um, our second HZIP project includes constructing ped or pedestrian scale median fences. I realize those aren't super popular for everybody, but I've got a mitigation on that. Um, these are between Greenhaven and I-5, Southland Park and Freeport Boulevard, and Tam O'Shanter and 21st Street. Um, all of them commercial corridors that have had a lot of um, a lot of uncontrolled pedestrian crossings, and we have seen that reflected in crash data out here. So the median fencing is really meant to discourage uncontrolled crossings. To mitigate for that, what we also have are two new pedestrian signals that are going in mid-block to allow for better improved pedestrian crossing. Um, Along with that, I mentioned we are constructing 26 accessible ramps and um, pedestrian refuges. Uh, this gives you an idea of what it looks like out there right now. So trying to walk across a crosswalk, you're hopping two curbs to get to a non-ADA ramp on the far side. Um, we will be putting in full-width refuge islands there. We'll be removing any median noses that are intruding into crosswalks. We'll be putting fully accessible ramps in. Um, we're also improving five different bus stops along the corridor. Um, that gives you an idea of what's out there right now. Hopefully the bus bench gives you an idea of the scale of the width of the medians that are out there. And that's a frontage road on one side and Florin Road on the other side. Uh, what we'll be doing, oh, I was hoping I had a better picture in there. Uh, what we'll be doing is widen, widening that to a full eight feet wide so there's room for um, a bus to 
be able to drop its ramp. If there's a wheelchair user there, they can safely load onto the bus. It's also just going to be a much more comfortable area to wait for a bus, not being quite that close to traffic. Um, and I mentioned earlier, but those median noses, those are sticking into crosswalks in six different areas. We will be pulling those back as well. Um, one other thing I will mention that I didn't include in here, um, at Freeport Boulevard and Florin Road, that's also a location where our Del Rio Trail project is going in. And we actually managed to shoehorn to this project, some improvements at those ramps, so we were able to straighten those up, widen them a little bit so we can make a better trail crossing as well. Um, right now, we are finalizing our design for this project. We're getting ready to go to construction. Um, unfortunately, getting ready to go to construction when you're talking about signal projects means about eight or nine months. So we're looking at starting the lion's share of the work this winter. We may see a little bit before that, just preparation for the equipment that we're going to be waiting to have delivered. And it'll all be up and running and operational by summer of 24, we expect. With that, I would love to answer questions on Florin. Thank you so much for your presentation. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one hand raised online. Uh, Matt Anderson. Good evening, Chair. Good evening, Commissioners. Um, I guess I just wanted to uh, question uh, the project a little bit and see what they were doing to um, reduce vehicle speed in this area. Uh, there's a lot, I know, on pedestrian safety, which it seems like if you're putting in pedestrian fencing and uh, some of these other improvements, it's really still enabling it to be a, a car-centric area and not really doing a lot there. Uh, if you look at the Switters or, or Tim's, the number one cause for um, or PCF violations for all of the accidents in that area on Florin Road is speed. Uh, so I just would question the uh, person putting the project forward, you know, what's being done in the project to address that. That's all. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comment. Chair, I have uh, no more members of the public online with their hand raised. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? And I see a hand from Commissioner Banks. Ah, unmuted. Okay. Hi, Adam. Thanks for the presentation. Um, I've spent a lot of time down in South Sacramento in the last 18 months or so, and Florin Road is really scary, even when you're in a car. Um, and I'm often there on my bike. So I'm, I agree with the person that just called in. Um, if the speed limit is 40 miles an hour, which I think you said in your report that I read today, then it seems like, as we all know, that most people then go faster than what the speed limit is. So is there any other traffic calming, or can we figure out some other ways to slow traffic down on Florin, especially um, in that stretch from the uh, freeway through to Freeport and then heading over towards Tamashanter, et cetera, a really long straightaway there with walls on each side. And I know that people just 
rev it up and get moving there. So curious about safety and traffic calming, especially for all the other people that are going to be sitting on curbs and all the other great stuff that's going to help bring people to um, the road. So start off, and unfortunately I have to start this way and say that with highway safety improvement funding, we are very limited in what countermeasures they will pay for. We were able to seek some funding because we promised all of these ADA improvements in our grant applications, and when we got to design, we found out just how significant those were, and we were able to fill that gap. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of other traffic calming measures included in that. I will say that there are some measures that are, they're not really part of the design of this, but they're um, consequences of the design of this, where, for example, when we're widening those medians for the bus stops out there, that space has to come from somewhere, and that's actually reducing lane widths, which is a way of increasing friction along the corridor, slowing vehicles down. Uh, same thing with a lot of that pedestrian scale fencing. Not only does it provide a higher visual feel for or along that side of the or the median, it makes drivers a little bit less uncomfortable when they see what they can hit. Um, but we are also installing some additional medians, closing some of the driveways in there, which is going again add to that skin friction on the uh, driver's side as well. So I'm not going to say that speeds will absolutely be reduced on that corridor, but to the degree possible with what we have available to us here, we're doing what we can. Chair, may I jump in a moment? Go for it. Great. Uh, um, Commissioner Banks, the, the HSIP or the Highway Safety Improvement Program is very prescriptive and nuts and boltsy. So um, the way that it works is that you look at crash data, you look at your high areas for crash data, and, and I know this because my team leads this grant application process. You look at the high crash data, you look at how we can measure up the types of crashes to the very few and very specific things this grant will fund. Um, and so that's a little bit different process than, for example, a court or plan where we're looking holistically to address many factors for improving a corridor. So that's the, the, the thing that we face with the, the HSIP program is that it is nuts and boltsy. It's things like pedestrian countdown heads or, or advanced dilemma zone detection to see for driver speeds. Um, so this type of funding won't be able to look holistically at a corridor. However, um, Florin Road is one of the top five Vision Zero corridors in the city for numbers of fatalities and serious injuries. And we have a project for that. It's not this project, but it's a separate project that will come before the commission that is specifically between 24th and essentially Luther Burbank. And a big part of our goals with that project is to calm speeds, provide better crossings as more of a corridor effort than we can fund through the HSIP program. Thank you, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. uh, Commissioner Brazel. Thank you for your presentation. Um, a question about the uh, sidewalks on the south si section of Florin Road, just west of Freeport Boulevard there. There is no sidewalk. Is, is that going to be right where the Del Rio Trail will be crossing? You mentioned that. Um, is that going to, do you know if that's going to put a yeah. sidewalk there? So we are not addressing that with the HSIP project. Um, I should know this off the top of my head, but I am 95% sure I will say that we are addressing it with the Del Rio Trail project. Sorry, I've got a lot of other things going on in Del Rio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're keeping you busy. 
Commissioner Gonzalez. I promise not to speak about every item, <laughs> but thank you very much, Adam. I appreciate um, the, every, everything you presented to us this evening. And as I said earlier, um, I grew up on 64th Avenue in Amherst, so I can't tell you how many times I walked down the Florin Road in Amherst, rode my bike up Florin Road to Greenhaven as a small child over the freeway negotiating on-ramps and off-ramps. I shudder to think of my own children doing that today, but hey, we did things differently 30 years ago, I suppose. And my father was hit by a car traveling at high speed. They ran a red light at Amherst and uh, Florin when I was about 16 years old and uh, it really uh, did a lot of damage to his body. So I know that this corridor is um, traveled at speeds well in excess of 40 miles per hour as Commissioner Banks uh, spoke to earlier from my own personal experience. Um, so I, I commend you, and, but I wanna echo uh, the statements of uh, Commissioner Banks and hope that we do find creative solutions to also implement traffic calming measures in the future. Uh, I do have a question though about uh, the fencing work that it's gonna be installed to um, uh, hopefully dis uh, dissuade people from uh, you know, un uncontrolled crossings. Um, speaking as a person who grew up in a disadvantaged community and works in disadvantaged communities, I wondered if there's any ornamental design thought to that uh, fence. Uh, the institution of bars in a community of, of black and brown people is not something I, I'm totally crazy about, but if it's something that's aesthetically pleasing and, and that's done and designed um, with guidance from the community, I think it's a little more um, received better. So just uh, a question for you on that point. So I will say the type of fencing there was something that was discuss discussed widely and er early on in this project. The challenge that we have is Median fencing, um, hopefully we can agree, serves a purpose. Um, it's there to dissuade people from putting themselves in a dangerous situation. Uh, the challenge we have as city staff, specifically from the maintenance side, is that if we put something in a median, it's going to get hit and we have to be able to replace it. Um, I'm, you're familiar with the South Sac area, so I'm sure you know the um, decorative fence that's on Meadowview. Every time that fence gets hit, it takes uh, six to seven months to be able to replace a panel because it has to be custom fabricated. Every time we, every time it gets hit, we have to custom fabricate it. We have to get a fence contractor on board. We have to get somebody out there to take care of it. What we knew with this project is that there just is not budget for that and it's not serving its purpose if we can't have it up. If every time it gets hit, it's going to be down for six months, that's half the year that it's not doing its job. So what we wanted to make sure of is that we weren't going cheap and ugly on this, I'll say it bluntly. Um, we wanted to make sure it wasn't a row of chain link fence going down the median, which is the most economical option we could do but we also couldn't do custom artwork. So what was really decided was what we need is something that can be readily available if it is damaged, which unfortunately I'm going to say is bars because it's basically the three foot tall fence that you can buy off the shelf at a Home Depot, a Lowe's, any home improvement store. That way, as soon as it does get damaged, we have the ability to go out, procure it and put it back up. I appreciate the, the explanation, Adam, but um, as a person, like I said, who grew up in that community and knows that the CCNRs of Meadowview allowed for black and brown people to purchase some of their first homes in the city of Sacramento legally because of covenants, I would say that cheap and ugly is uh, not something that they would find acceptable. So I will um, uh, encourage you to find creative solutions in the future to not provide cheap and ugly to the people of Meadowview.
Any other hands? Yeah, I guess I was a little curious about the fence myself, so I appreciate kind of the conversation um, yeah. that we yeah. had there. Um, but also wanting to know, you know, if the concern for not putting something decorative is because it's going to crash, what is the city doing to make sure that like people aren't speeding? Um, and I think that's what we should be looking at instead of finding a solution that um, is just there so that if it does, you know, get run into, we can quickly replace it. So I think that would, I think, would be my recommendation is that we really look at the root cause of why these crashes are taking place. And I think we're starting to do a little bit of that, but the fence um, to me seems a bit of a Band-Aid um, for this corridor. So um, yeah, I don't know, three feet, I feel like people are still gonna hop it um, <laughs> to, to get to the locations that they're trying to, to access. So, you know, if we need to have more um, mid-block crossings in the corridor, I think that would that might solve the problem instead of, you know, adding additional fencing to prevent people from getting to where they want to go. And if I could clarify one thing, I wasn't intending to say the bars were cheap and ugly. I was intending to say the chain link option is really what we were trying to avoid. We wanted to make sure that we were a step above that. Um, I, I, it's unfortunate that there is that feeling about the bars, but there's really only so many options we could do for something that is going to be at all effective. And I did want to highlight too that we do have the two mid-block crossings going in. So we are doing our best to add options as well as discourage other behavior, or to, along with discouraging the behavior. I think we realize that it's unrealistic to expect people to go all the way to the corners. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Is there any, um possibility of you know adding in these mid bot crossings and seeing how the community responds to that before installing the fence or <clears throat> excuse me is the city set on installing the fence right away uh, at this point the funding has locked us into installing the fence it's kind of part and parcel with everything um, we, again the very programmatic way that HSIP funding is done we identify countermeasures that are required that gives us a certain benefit ratio on the corridor if we don't do that then we would no longer meet the benefit promised to HSIP and they wouldn't grant us our funding appreciate some additional background on that um, but I think you've heard from this Commission in the future um, you know fencing especially those that resemble um, bars or prisons jails is, is probably not something that uh, we would encourage the city to do for future projects um, and, and instead look at other ways that we could be slowing speeds uh, in the quarter. Um, my next question is around coordination with SACRT. Can you maybe speak a little bit more to the transit improvements? I know you mentioned the bus stop, but is there any additional transit improvements that will be happening uh, with this ATIP project? Uh, so, I mean, really, I will say that kind of the dominoes tumbled as we uh, are, we're looking at the ADA improvements on here. Really, the transit improvements were kind of a downstream effect of realizing that we needed to improve ramps on here. When we saw that we needed to improve ramps, we were going to have to widen islands for that. We saw the bus stops just downstream of the, on those islands. So we knew that really we had to do the entire project. We had to do that entire thing. So we did coordinate with our, or with RT, make sure that we were meeting all the requirements they had to be able to properly use those bus stops. We wanted to make sure that buses would be able to safely pull in there, that there was adequate clearance room for them to drop the ramps. Um, and we'll be coordinating with them during construction as well to make sure adequate notice is given when stops are closed, when constructions are happening and construction is happening in those areas, that type of coordination. Great, 
thank you so much. I know uh, Sacramento just went through their bus and uh, bus stop improvement project. So, you know, if there's any opportunity um, to improve some of those uh, stops along the corridor, I think that would just help um, with the with this grant. Uh, so I don't see any additional hands. I saw one momentarily. Do you have anything? Yeah, thank you okay, so much. Go I, for I, it. I was like, I'm really digging into this, <laughs> this fencing piece, and this may be something to consider later. But um, I absolutely understand the need for a replaceable item. Um, I am wondering if you know, there's some very affordable improvements that could be done by painting those fences to be to to increase their visibility in a cheerful color so that um, it's not, you know, an industrial feeling, but perhaps something that, you know, would be a color that the community could get behind. Um, I know that different communities have different sort of vibes. Um, it can honor different um, ethnic backgrounds. Sometimes colors have certain meanings, could be the kings, um, <laughs> hypothetically, uh, some king's purple. And if that would be something, I. I it may not be reasonable for this, but if we're talking about maintenance and, and keeping up you know, these as a long-term maintenance field, if, if maybe a color that was more welcoming and a little bit more branding might at least be a affordable way to um, lift those bars up and make them affordable, but maybe not so imposing while increasing visibility. Thanks. So I, let me start off by, I might come out negative at first, so let me say first off that I'm not saying no. <laughs> um, for our project, again, our goal is to be able to buy something off the shelf and put it up. Um, painting isn't really something that our crews do, especially the crews that are in charge of um, this fence work. Um, what I would say though, and this is my positive side, <laughs> is that it seems very possible to, or, partner with the community on that, um, especially if there's a PBID that wants to lead the effort um, in any type of branding specific to the individual areas that they want to do. Um, I know that we have had issues with things like gateway signs into communities, that type of thing, where, again, the city just doesn't have the maintenance funds to replace those when they inevitably get hit. But we are perfectly willing and receptive to PBIDs if they want to install and maintain them, if they want to take responsibility for it, then that could absolutely be done. Um, and with this fencing, while it is, again, a cookie-cutter thing, um, if uh, a PBID wanted to, for example, buy into the plasma cut silhouette of their choice to bolt on, um, anything like that, that's the appeal to that too, is that it could be moved from panel to panel if something does come down. It is something that could happen, but it would require a community partnership for it. Okay, well thank you. I don't see any additional hands. Really appreciate your presentation. I think you're sticking with us for another project. I got one more. Um, which is the next item. Uh, Stockton Boulevard at 12th Avenue, pedestrian signal project. And, well, thank you for having me tonight, Commission. Um, <laughs> so this is going to be a much quicker, um, much quicker, easier presentation probably because this is really a very small, simple project, but it is a great little project. So Stockton Boulevard, 12th Avenue, we have an existing crosswalk there. Um, 
Stockton Boulevard is once again higher speed than we would prefer, I think. Um, we're crossing four lanes of traffic there. A crosswalk with no controls is just not adequate for the situation. So for our project, uh, we, are, we are going to install a new pedestrian signal in there. Um, that'll be full green, yellow, red signal. So it's not a hawk, it's not a flashing beacon. It's push the button, the light's gonna go red for you. Um, we're going to extend the pedestrian refuge island on the north side of there. So it'll have a nose that extends towards 12th Avenue on the north side. Um, just add to the comfort on that leading edge in, especially with that left turn that comes out there. We didn't want traffic squeezing as close to that refuge as it has been. Um, then there's also an existing driveway here. And there was a whole building there about 10, 15 years ago that was torn down. There's multiple driveways along there. We can only do so much with this project, but since we need a signal there, we were able to re remove this driveway, which actually provides some other side benefits since um, if you notice that driveway is being, or was used to pull trucks onto the sidewalk um, earlier in that picture, yeah. Uh, we'll also be installing a blank out sign. If you notice kind of where I said that driveway went in, there's that single pole there. Um, that's a sign letting that stopped traffic on 12th Avenue know that there is a red light and they should not turn across the crosswalk at that time. Uh, which is actually a new feature in my experience for the or pedestrian signals we've been putting in. So I'm impressed with our traffic folks for squeezing that in. Um, here, we're not quite as far along, although it is a smaller project, so it's probably on close to the same schedule. Um, we are in design still. We just approved our project report on it. Um, but again, it's such a small location that we're going to be able to finalize that design relatively quickly. So um, hoping to get to construction or construction the same time, given that we do have to order signal equipment for it, we should be building in this winter since it's only the one location and there's minimal hard improvements out there. Um, we're probably looking at opening this in spring. And with that, happy to answer questions here too. Thank you so much. Uh, clerk, are there any um, folks on the line? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Um, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? <laughs> Commissioner Gonzalez, you're here to talk. Don't worry. Because <laughs> he knows me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Um, I appreciate you bringing this um, report to us this evening. Um, this is in my backyard. I live in District 6 on Tahoe Park. I travel on Stockton Boulevard almost every single day. I also um, was involved with the Stockton Boulevard plan on the outreach team, so I'm really um, very aware of all these um, issues that we have here with uncontrolled pedestrian crossings. Uh, I just had the opportunity less than a month ago to have a lengthy conversation with the um, the president of the Stockton Boulevard Partnership, Elgin Bradley, who is the owner of Touch a Class there on Stockton Boulevard. He purchased that in 1979, where there's another um, similar signalized pedestrian crossing. And um, it, he shared a lot of the same sentiments that I'm about to share. It's just that um, I'm glad to see that this one is in a location that as the crow flies, I believe more people actually use it. Um, the other one that's closer to Touch a Class is unfortunately 
in an odd position, but that's due probably to some of the offset of streets on either side of Stockton Boulevard and compromises being made to, to put a signalized crossing where it's difficult. So um, I also know that that vacant lot that's uh, adjacent to Luigi's is probably gonna be going under contract soon with a developer and there's gonna be affordable housing there as well. So it's, it's, I think it's very timely that we're actually gonna be getting this crosswalk ahead of time on that. Um, and looking at your picture in the um, in your report, and you noted that truck that is parked on the sidewalk, there was also a small red sports car parked uh, on the sidewalk too, a little bit farther south. And I will tell you that that entire sidewalk most days is covered in vehicles, unfortunately right now. So I'd really love it if uh, traffic control could go out or traffic enforcement could go out, maybe uh, alert people that it's not legal to park on the sidewalk um, and cite if that doesn't uh, get them on their way. But in any case, uh, thank you for bringing this to our backyard. We look forward to seeing it installed and um, in, we'll enjoy in the spring of 24, this new safe crossing. Thank you. Okay, Commissioner Lee. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> All right, standing open mic. Um, thanks for the presentation, both of these. Uh, and the thing that caught my eye about this project that I really appreciate is that it's a full, I don't know what you call them, um, but green, yellow, red signal. Um, I've seen the other sort of red lights. Uh, it's not exactly a hawk, but like the one on Broadway I, is the one that I use a lot, right by kind of Oak Park Brewing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Coincidentally, um, and that one people blow through that all the time. So I'll push it; it'll be a red light, and cars drivers continue to go through. So I appreciate that red, yellow, green. I think we're hopefully we'll see that be more effective, especially on that kind of um, high-speed corridor on Stockton. So thanks for looking at those, and I hope to see more of those throughout the city as these kinds of traffic control devices get considered. Okay, we don't have many questions for you on this item. I think folks are um, excited to, to see this work move forward. So thank you. All right, Thanks thank so you all. Okay, our next item is gonna be item six, how transportation planning works, idea to implementation. And we're gonna hear from Jennifer. Wonderful, commissioners, lovely to be with you this evening. Jennifer Donlin-Wyant, transportation planning manager. I know I said last month that I wouldn't be up here all the time, but I'm hoping that tonight might be the last time that I'm up before you. Um, before I get into how transportation planning works, I wanted to just highlight one thing um, because it struck a chord deep from in me, uh, Isaac's comments about the bars uh, on Florin Road. And I think one thing I just want to iterate is that we want to obviously center equity in the work that we do and we want to be very cognizant of the things and not what, what we do, but also how we do them. Um, the thing that we struggle with and as staff is that we have a $1.4 billion unfunded maintenance backlog and so every time we need to repair something, we already don't have the money for it, and we're struggling to repair that crossing or that sign that got knocked down or that traffic signal that was hit. 
And so at the staff level, we just don't have the resources to do the things that we'd like to do. Um, and so, but it, it did strike deep within me um, your comment, and I just want to note that, Commissioner, um, but also note that with $1.4 billion in maintenance needs that we just don't have the money for, and it grows every day, um, that it's something that staff struggle with. So with that, I'm going to go on to bigger things, hopefully uh, more informative for you, and I think it's something for commission, but the audience, and maybe folks who watch the recording afterwards, one of the things that um, I think is not transparent is how transportation planning works from an idea to like when you see Adam up here talking about we're gonna be implementing something. Um, and so I, I'm giving, I'd like to give a presentation tonight on the how that works. This is a simplified explanation. Every project is different. Uh, every funding source is different. But just an overview of how it works. And I gotta say, when I came to the city seven years ago, I didn't know this and it wasn't transparent to me and I had worked in transportation for a very long time before I came to the city. Um, so I hope this is informative. I hope, um, the other thing is that I'm not part of all phases, but I wanted to give an overview of the phases and if you have more specific questions, I'm happy to bring my colleagues who are parts of other phases together. And sorry, with the sign of Commissioner Hodel, I can't see you as well, so I'm going to. I can't see you either. Okay. Hold on. Visibility is a good thing. Is that better? Okay, great. All right, so I'm gonna jump into my presentation now. Um, the first thing I want to clarify about what we're talking about, because things happen in two different ways. There are smaller efforts that might be putting in a stop sign, a new marked crosswalk. One day we'll talk about marked versus unmarked crosswalks, but a marked crosswalk. Um, signing or striping improvements, so maybe it's for half of a block, maybe it's a new sign that says bikes may use full lane, maybe it's a new speed limit sign. Uh, maybe it's a pothole repair. In fact, I was just up with the Hagen One Community Association talking about pothole repairs and uh, infill. Um, and those are smaller things. They can be reported to the 311, go to our traffic investigations team. And depending on where you are, we have each traffic investigator has two city council districts and they respond and they will get to you. They're, again, we're limited in staffing. They are overwhelmed with thousands of risk uh, reports every year, but they handle those smaller things and they work, say what can we fund, and, and thinking about our backlog, that comes out of our operating budget. So every time we make an improvement, right, that's impacting the operations of the transportation division. But it's obviously things that we want to do. So those are the smaller things. Those can happen relatively quickly if they're feasible within the realm of these smaller improvements. Then there are the kind of it depends category, which is like this bubble I have up here to the side. That could be something that we might have a little pocket of money. It might be coupled with another project, maybe coupled with a development project um, that we can move faster. And it really depends on the context. Where is it? And my favorite thing that causes like a big slowdown is like how does it affect water and water conveyance? Because it has a big impact on water, it gets incredibly expensive. One of the um, experiences I had like with water issues is that we were the pretty sure it's Tahoe Park Neighborhood Association wanted a crosswalk at 58th and Broadway. And on paper, it looked great. It's like, okay, well, it's a two-lane roadway. Uh, we should be able to put in a crosswalk meeting our guidelines. But it's an offset intersection. But we're like, oh, maybe we can make it work. And then we hit, there was a drainage inlet. Drainage inlet, another $200,000 to the project. No longer a tiny little quick thing that we can do. It becomes much larger. And so that, it depends. It depends on the context of what's there. Uh, if there's no drainage inlet, it's 
relatively feasible if we can get in the curb ramps, but still, it depends. I'm just gonna put that in the big depends category. And then there are the bigger things. I'm talking new traffic signals, new traffic signals between the purchase of the materials. And as Adam alluded to, traffic signals are incredibly hard to get right now and there's a long lead time before they arrive. The traffic signal, when you think about the design work and the implementation, is over a million dollars. Um, and so really expensive. Crosswalks that requ require signals. So, uh, Commissioner Lee, you talked about the differences between the Hawk or the pedestrian hybrid beacon, which has got the flashy red lights that maybe a lot of folks don't know what it means, um, to the what we're calling pedestrian signals now, which have the, the three colors and more folks seem to understand that. And I think we're transitioning over to those. I think they're more understandable for folks. But again, million dollars, a lot of money. Um, traffic calming, bikeways, our corridor plans. Leslie Mancibo was here, I think, last month or the month before. Northgate. Our Northgate plan, $70 million, right? And so um, these are the bigger things that require a lot more effort. And I'm gonna talk about these bigger things um, because they're the things that I think wanna see traffic calming on Florin Road, for example. Those are bigger things that cost a lot of money and take time to work out. So I'm gonna highlight those right now. Uh, so there are three phases. There's a planning phase, which is what my team does, right? We, we work with you all, we hear what your concerns are, we vision, we come up with something, we negotiate with our partners in engineering to, to come up with a solution that's feasible, uh, fundable, and acceptable under traffic, um, traffic engineering rules. And we do that, and we get blessing. You say, we love it. We go to city council, they approve it, and they say, this is great. Um, the next phase is preliminary design, which is we are, are Take a step back, our money that we do for planning, because everything's funded through grants, is typically through Caltrans planning grants. Caltrans planning grants does not let us do any sort of engineering. Um, and so we, we are only doing planning high-level concepts of like, ah, oh, we got about 100 feet, how do we break it up? But it's not getting into the details of breaking out AutoCAD and drafting stuff. That's where preliminary design comes in, 30% design. And environmental clearance for CEQA, California Environmental Quality Act, or if we anticipate federal dollars, which most of the time we have to anticipate federal dollars, NEPA, which is the equivalent of CEQA, but for federal dollars. And then final design and construction. So those are the break it down pretty easy high level um, phases. But before we start any work on that, you have an idea. You say, Jennifer, I'd really like to do this corridor plan we got a million ideas of what things could be good. What we need to do is figure out, well, do they meet our priorities? And if you remember, I've come to you many times over the last couple of years about the transportation priorities plan. And foundational to that are these five criteria that were approved by council. And so in order for us to move forward in a planning effort, we have to meet these criteria. So that's improving air quality and health, and specifically by supporting walking, biking, transit, and electric vehicles. Improving equitable investment, and this was a big time first for the city of Sacramento, provide infra infrastructure in neighborhoods that lack basic infrastructure, and then benefit communities that are recipients of racism and bias. Then providing access to destinations, and when we asked folks what destinations, you told us, jobs, schools, and parks. So providing access to those, so would it do that? And then improving safety. Um, I've talked to you about Vision Zero a lot, but our Vision Zero action plan identified the 214 miles of our 1,800 miles of streets. So um, 214 miles, which is 14% of our street network where we have the highest numbers of serious injuries and fatalities. Um, and then our top 10 of those 214 miles, the top 10 corridors, give super priority to those. So 
I can't list them all 10 off the top of my head, and I know I should be able to when I get to the top five, which is Marysville, El Camino, Broadway Stockton, Lower Stockton, and Florin Road, which we're working on. Or if it's one of our Vision Zero school safety projects, which I don't think you've had a presentation on because that was recently. It's been a number of years since we finished that. But that's our safety work. And then fix and maintain the system. I said we have a $1.4 billion backlog on maintenance. Um, and so fixing our streets, our potholes, our traffic signals, when the traffic signals get hit, which is more often than we would like, um, maintaining that system. So those are the criteria we use to start any planning effort. So if you say, Jennifer, I'd like to fix easy street and fancy neighborhood that doesn't have any crash, has no systemic issue of crashes. Well, I say, well, the ideas you have to fix that street are fabulous. I don't disagree with them. But is that a priority for us to invest grant monies and staff time in? Probably not if it's easy street that doesn't have crashes. But if it's not so easy street, where we have a high number of crashes, is in a community that doesn't have basic infrastructure that's been recipients of racism and bias, then it connects to a school. Well, yeah, that makes sense. And we'll probably go after that planning grant, given all of our needs. So that's how we go through the process of deciding when it becomes a plan. So this is the illustrative timeline from idea to uh, ribbon cutting. And so, again, example only. Every project is different. Um, and, but I would start at the beginning, the idea. The, and so the, the, the sneakers, the wheelchair, bicycle, car, and bus are the vehicles that get us around, but also are the ideas. Um, and so we have lots of ideas to do things, right? And so. We only move to the next phase, which is number two, for those that meet that criteria. So you're going to see fewer vehicles for improvements in the number two and three area because we can't do them all. And so the first thing we do is we have to seek grant money to move that forward. And grant money usually comes from Caltrans in the form of a Caltrans transportation planning grant. And they come every 12, 18, 24 months, you know, thereabouts. So we wait. And then when they come, and we always come before you as a commission to say, these are the grant applications we'd like to pursue, and, and you weigh in on that. Um, they have now, because council adopted those five criteria, any planning effort that we have needs to align with those five criteria. So then we apply. Typically, the city of Sacramento gets one of those planning grants per cycle. We have some cycles gotten none. Um, and so we, then we don't move forward. I'm hoping that that's not a frequent occurrence. Um, but typically we get one. If we're lucky, we'll get two. So maybe that's one or two planning efforts that move forward. It usually takes about two years to do that planning work. So we work with you all. In fact, it does take two years because that's what the grant program has, and we can't do any more than that, which is a very tight timeline, i got to tell you folks, and we always stress at the end, um, because we want to have time to work with our communities to do the conversations that are needed. So, you know, we have ideas. We spend one to two years looking for money. Then we have two years to do the work. And then, again, we all come up with this great plan. We, we, I'm going to stick with Northgate tonight because I really like the Northgate plan. Uh, we said, great, we, we approved this Northgate plan. Uh, council approved it. You think it was great. And now we got to wait. We've got to wait for the next funding opportunity to come into, which is the green area, seek money for preliminary design and environmental clearance. And, again, that could be... Typically, that'll be funded through SACOG, which is the Sacramento Area Council of Governments, through their flexible funding program. But you also have to compete with all of our other projects that are in the hopper that maybe have been partially funded. Because one of the challenges we face through our, the way that transportation is funded 
is that there is just not enough money to do all the things that we want to do. So SACOG, as our regional entity who manages our, our transportation funding, doesn't have enough money to give everybody what they want. So often what happens is we'll get a portion of what we'd like. Um, and so we might only get the preliminary design, but not the environmental clearance money um, from SACOG. So then again, we have to wait to the next round. But let's pretend we wait you know, two years, we apply, and then we get the money for Northgate uh, or whatever project you know, you're envisioning. Then we do the work, and that could take for the preliminary design, environmental clearance, two to seven years. It depends on the complexity. Are we crossing an active rail line, and we have to work with like the California Public Utilities Commission, or we crossing a Caltrans interchange, so we have to collaborate with Caltrans. Um, one of the unique things about being a local entity is that we often cross jurisdictional boundaries or agency boundaries, and it requires a lot of coordination, which can slow down the process. Um, and, but we work with them, we get the environmental clearance, we get to the 30% design, maybe 60% design, and then we have to wait for more funding, and we wait. Um, and then when that funding opportunity comes around, we apply. And that's for the final design. And that's taking it 60 to 90 to 100% design. But again, and not enough money in the region. So now I'm gonna switch off of Northgate because I, I have a concrete example of Broadway Complete Streets. So Broadway Complete Streets, we had funding for phase one, and then we had to wait a couple of years. We got funding for phase two, and we had to wait a couple of years. We still don't have funding for the last phase, which is 24th Street to 29th Street. Uh, fingers crossed, because we did apply for that to SACOG. To, we should hopefully be hearing in the next month or so on that one, because we're moving forward. Um, and then the, also the, the challenge with Broadway is that we have the light and heavy rail tracks between I'm gonna mess it now, between 21st and, 19th and 21st, between 19th and 21st, and we have to work with the railroad and the CPUC, and that's slowing us down significantly, and in fact, we, have, we haven't reached agreement yet on that. Um, and so, it takes time. And then once, let's, we, let's say we get all sorted out, and then we go into construction. So typically, for a corridor-type project, minimum eight years, and that's a really expedited process, more likely it's gonna be anywhere between 10 and 20 if that's a high priority project. Um, and that's these bigger projects. And he's not, I'm not talking the smaller ones. And it, this is not a system that I think staff embrace or celebrate. It's the process what we must work in. The way that we fund transportation. There's a lot of waiting. Um, and, and there's a lot of money needed. Transportation projects are just expensive. I'm gonna go back to Northgate at being $70 million. Um, City of Sacramento, you think about what our general fund budget is, if we tried to fund transportation improvements out of that $70 million here and $70 million there, there just isn't enough money to go around. So that's why when we hear ideas from community members or commissioners, many of the times those ideas are fantastic and we, we would love them. One of my favorite projects is the Arcade Creek Trail. I'd love to be able to move that forward, but of all the projects that we have and the need that we have, we have to stick with the priorities that are approved and adopted by city council and then work within the funding system that is available to us. So, like Adam said, I don't, don't wanna be a downer, but I also just wanna explain the process that we work within uh, so that you're aware and anybody that's watching online is aware uh, of the system that we're working within and trying to expedite because as staff, and I'm sure as council members, these are things that are important and we care about and we'd like to move forward and we're trying to find the best way within the system to move those forward. Um, so, with that, that is my presentation. I'm happy to take any questions that you may have. Thank you.
Thank you for your presentation. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one hand raised online. Uh, Mr. Anderson. Good evening, Chair. Good evening, Commissioners, again. Uh, I just would like to say my infinite thank you to our transportation planning staff. They uh, do so much work with so few resources. Um, really, we are we are very lucky to have them. Um, a couple of items I'd like to highlight in that last presentation. Uh, the $1.4 billion backlog of unfunded maintenance. Uh, I think that's a call to action. You should all be talking to your council members from your districts uh, about some of the needs. I'm, we're not going to be able to fund all of that here, but we are in budget season. And, you know, one more FTE, two more FTE um, to address some of these things could maybe help incremental steps. Um, also, I'd like to add that I think staff does a lot more than just projects. And I think that's really important to highlight because I think a lot of times the, the little things like um, getting um, like bike pet improvements incorporated into the repaving projects or the detour policy or just policies around the city can have a much larger effect and more widespread effect than some of these larger uh, projects that take, you know, 10, 20 years to actually come to fruition. So really want to thank staff for that as well. Um, and then uh, I really <laughs> like the quote that it's uh, not a system that staff endorses or celebrate, but they have to work in, which uh, totally, totally get that. Um, and so I would also challenge the commission here to, you know, think about alternative systems or or ways that transportation could work is there you know could we work more with quick builds um are there other types of transportation fundings and other or programming in other areas that you all know about that we could trial in the city just a few thoughts thank you very much thank you for your comment chair i have no more members of the public with their hands raised uh, Commissioner Gibson. Uh, I just want to say first, thank you for bringing this forward. I think I casually asked, how does a uh, project become made from idea? <clears throat> I guess this is um, our short TED talk. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so as a recovering academic, I definitely understand the issues when it comes to grant funding cycles and the low percentages after a lot of work goes in. Um, and although it's, this um, diagram is shown as a path, I really know it's more like a funnel. You know, a lot more things come down to very few that actually are able to be accomplished. Um, hypothetically, one question I have is, I understand that a lot of these projects have to go through grant funding. However, hypothetically, if there was a flexible pot of funds along um, these many different steps, is there one area that would be the most helpful for you as staff to achieve our transportation needs if there is a, a fund that would fill a specific gap most efficiently? Commissioner Gibson, that's a great question. So my initial gut response was going to be predictability of funding because everything that we do is competitive. We don't know if we're going to get funded or not. So we apply um, to the state, we apply to the regional government, and we don't know, we see. I think for SACA, we applied to, for nine projects, we'll probably get two to three. So predictability of funding helps us figure out, well, what is our path forward? Because now we don't know our path forward. So I think that's a significant thing for us to know 
um, how we're going to fund our projects or know that we're going to have 20 million or 30 million in that um, we can apply it to these projects, or at least through phases, so that we don't have to apply every cycle, for example, for Broadway. Uh, so I think that's one thing. Um, I think the other thing is, uh, it's probably the biggest, and, I, and so, because we can't skip any of the phases. We need to, obviously, we need to do our planning work and work with our communities. We have to do preliminary design and environmental clearance, absolutely necessary. Um, but we, if we skip the, the phases in between, waiting for the funding, maybe that also could help. Um, and I think that, that's probably some of our biggest challenges. And the, I think the other challenge that we face is local funding. Um, because we don't, I didn't go over this and I should have. Um, nearly every grant requires a local match or a local contribution by the government entity that's applying for it. Uh, and some will say it's an 11.47% match, and I gotta say, well, it's not really 11.47% because there are a lot of things the grant won't pay for that are absolutely necessary for the project. And so in reality, most grant matches or local contributions are closer to 40 to 50 or 60% contribution. So we have a 70 million Northgate project. We need 35 million of that locally in order to make that happen. So more local dollars available to us. Right now our local dollars that we use that contribute to match are the existing sales tax measure that we have. Um, and, and so, and we stretch it, and we try to find creative ways to make that go as far as we can. So I think those are probably the two biggest things that we face that are maybe, uh, maybe we can solve them. I'm not sure. It's, it's definitely above my pay grade. Uh, but things that I think could help the process. Sure. And one other question. I have a follow-up um, on the $1.4 billion of deferred maintenance. Um, I knew it was going to be a big number, but that is still quite, quite big. Um, one thing I was wondering is uh, when we put together, um, whenever design standards are being reviewed for roads, specifically around road diets, I know a lot of our neighborhoods are overbuilt on roads as a Natomas resident. <coughs> um, <coughs> the, excuse me, Arena Boulevard and Del Paso Boulevard in the Natomas neighborhood was built up to not just accommodate an, uh, an, a basketball stadium, but also a potential NFL and MLB stadium. That never happened. And so now we have 10 lane roads for um, mostly single family homes and low rise office buildings. So that is obviously a lot of pavement that has to be kept up. So I just want to um, get your feedback in ways that we can encourage reducing some of our roads, which potentially be used for bike or pedestrian access like that. Well, obviously not snap of the fingers. I just heard the talk about uh, a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I just want to get your feedback if we can start beginning incorporating that as policies earlier in the process so that um, we can achieve some of the goals of the ATC and citywide vision while also reducing our maintenance costs at the same time. Absolutely. Commissioner Gibson, good news. We're working on, I'm not going to say any of the streets specifically that you mentioned, but there, I think there are three things that we're doing, I think three things, that I think address your suggestion. One, uh, we, we don't just do repaving anymore. We do repaving with bonus things. So you can't, you don't want, we don't repave the street and put it back the same way. We look for opportunities to repave a street and do better, such as Del Paso uh, in, in uh, Councilmember Harris's district uh, up in North Sacramento, where it was a four-lane roadway, not great pavement quality. We use our repaving funds to do a road diet. Um, to include a bike lane and improve a, improve a pedestrian crossing at a school. So through our repaving program, we're already working towards that goal. I think the other thing is, is that um, 
and it's been a while, I can't remember if the general plan effort has come before the commission, though we are getting, uh, it will be coming soon, um, maybe June, maybe August. And a big part of our work on the general plan includes an analysis of the number of lanes for most major streets and what's appropriate. And what we tried to do as staff is find every opportunity there was in the city of Sacramento to have only the absolutely needed number of lanes. So the general plan moving forward that you'll see in a little bit includes a good number of lane reductions. Um, so that's another way that we're working towards that. So, and we're not defining how that will be used. Obviously, we need to go through a planning process with our communities for whatever street it might be. Say, okay, if now it's a five-lane street and it's going to be a three-lane, how do you want to use that extra real estate? Uh, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but first through the general plan, which will save us a lot of time and money in the longer-term process to have that lane reduction already be adopted by city council. So I guess I only had two things, but there's things that we're already working on trying to address the very things that you spoke about. Uh, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. uh, Commissioner Banks. Thanks, Jennifer. This is awesome. Best graphic ever. I love that graphic. I'm going to be using it. Um, I think you answered my question. It was about where does match money come from, and I think you said from the STA. Is that correct? Did I hear that right? Commissioner Banks, yes. So for folks who don't know, STA is the Sacramento Transportation Authority. Authority. They're the folks that manage the sales tax measure uh, in Sacramento County. Right, so uh, we know that there's possible sales tax measure that just went down. There's a lot of work going on about another one, et cetera. I know the answer is the pot should always be bigger, but, but in the transportation, the expenditure plan for the STA, I might be going way into the weeds, but I think that that does also be very specific about how money needs to be spent. So does that then also create another round of hmm. puzzling for you? I mean, I remember when we worked on it um, for the last one, it was fix it first, so working, doing exactly what you just said, taking money to fix pavement and then do complete streets efforts around it, and then other, other things, pots of money for other things. So I'm curious, does that add more um, detail and difficulty for these matches, for these other grants to kind of get them into the, I, I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but. No, absolutely, Commissioner Banks. So, so the, for folks who aren't in the know, our current Measure A sales tax measure um, does, is pretty prescriptive. And so that funds a lot of the work that my team does. And so there are things that are for active transportation um, and specific things around active transportation. So, for example, our bike rack program, that is funded through Measure A, and Jeff manages that program. And we recently had a question, uh, we're going to be piloting something new with the bike rack program. We had to go back to STA and say, is this eligible within the narrative that it was? So it is. It's incredibly prescriptive. Um, then there's active transportation safety money. Right? So there's different monies there, and we we we're, we. Obviously, we're staff level. We work within the system that is provided to us. Um, but we have faced challenges, so we are working on the reconnecting. Uh, Cassandra Cortez came and presented on the Reconnecting Communities program. Uh, that is not in the Measure A program. It's not something that we can use Measure A dollars to help support us moving forward on that. So we were in a bit of a conundrum because we also can't use our paving money for that, not related at all. So. When we prescribe monies in ways that are intended to be long-term, 
but then new things come up, it's difficult for us to find the resources needed within that structure when that structure didn't anticipate those changes. That is really helpful. Thank you. Commissioner Rowe. Hi, thanks for the presentation. That was really helpful. Um, can you speak to where quick build projects fall? Um, do they have to go through the whole like roadmap that um, you went over last, or do they fall somewhere kind of in the middle between like a 311 project and a full on like corridor project? Commissioner Rowe, that's a great question. I guess it depends on what is the quick build project. Um, so I would say that most of our separated bikeways are quick builds. You know, they are paint with vertical elements. However, they still cost millions of dollars and had to go through that pathway, right, with the shoes and the bicycles and all that. Um, then there are smaller quick builds where um, we might do a painted curb extension or a delineator curb extension. There's a curb extension in Online Park Drive near a school that has a lot of temporary vertical elements. That is quick build. So I think it depends on where it falls within the, the realm of what means quick build. Generally, I'd say, uh, uh, I think most people's concepts of quick build is like, it costs $25,000, not a big deal, you can go out and do it. Um, in fact, even the Lampart crossings were probably, that cross, one crosswalk was probably more than $25,000. Um, so I think it depends on the project. Um, and so I think, I think that will fall in the it depends category. Yeah. Uh, Commissioner Hodel. Thank you for your presentation. It really helped me understand the process. I think my next question with regard to District 1, maybe District 3, is there seem to be a lot of projects out there now, and some I know about, like Airport Road, but I'm not sure where that project is in the whole planning stage. I mean, will it be done in, you know, anywhere between 10 and 24 years if you take the fastest versus the longest. Um, there are other projects that have been mentioned out in that area. And I, I guess I would like to know in, in North Natomas, where two of us are from, um, what are the projects? Where are they on the timeline? And um, just some examples. And these are things I heard that are not necessarily accurate. Uh, there's a Arena Boulevard, a bike ped crossing just east of Truxel. Um, I heard just recently that uh, going down Truxel, going south, you get to Garden Highway, and then there's something else that's planned to go into Sacramento. Um, the Del Rio Trail is almost done, so we know that that one is. But I'm just wondering where all these other projects are um, for where we are. So that when I talk to people, I like can say, well, this is just at the very beginning. Don't expect anything for us. Or, or hey, this, this has been funded. It's coming in approximately blank. Commissioner Hodel, that's a great question. And you speak to my soul. When I say that as a staff person at the city of Sacramento, one of my personal missions is to make Torrance transparent and in more normal people language, the work that we do, because it is not incredibly transparent. And if you go to our website, you might find something on a project, but not know where it is in the process, whether it's funded or are going to move to construction. So one of the first things, it's one of the reasons why I'm doing this today, thank you, Commissioner Gibson, for the ask, is that I wanted to make transparent, the, start at least with the processes of 
you know, idea to implementation. The other thing that I'm working on is through the transportation priorities plan, creating a online map for the city to host on our website that has all our planned efforts and our, our ongoing efforts. So that uh, I was inspired by the uh, city of Seattle has something similar, where you can look at the map of the city, click on it, and say, okay, this is only planned, or okay, this is in planning phase, or preliminary design, or environmental clearance, to give some sort of information to the public about what is going on, what are we doing around mobility, because we're doing a lot, but we don't communicate how much we're really doing in a way that's effective for folks. Um, and so uh, I'm working on that, working with our consultants who have helped us with the transportation priorities plan to take essentially that map and redo it to make it on our city website and available to the public. I can't promise you when it'll be up. I'm hopeful. The city's also transitioning to a new webpage, um, and so we're doing it at the same time, and uh, there's a lot happening, but I'm hoping to have it up within the next year so that we're able to present that and you're able to find that information because I think that um, I am quite proud of the work, that, how much work we're doing at the city, although I know there's always more that can be done, but I don't think folks are even know the work that we're doing at the city. Thank you. I think, I think that's a great recommendation. I was going to say the TPP had a, a great story map to kind of highlight locations. So I think any effort to do something similar uh, for all the work that you're doing could be really impactful. Okay, uh, Commissioner Lee. Uh, thank you for this presentation. Highest praise for me. This is a very complex process. So you boiled it down really nicely. Um, you made a mention about staff works within the system that they have, and I totally understand that. Um, and to better understand the system, you mentioned many times that everything has to go to go out for grant funding. Why does the city choose not to fund transportation projects with general fund funds? That, like that is a policy choice that creates a system that makes us have to wait longer for projects and makes it really hard for staff to do their jobs. I'm, so I'm curious kind of where that came from. But surely that's probably a bigger question for city council than for staff, but I, mm -hmm. I just highlight that through grants, we're able to leverage a small amount of money to get big money, right? right? And so there, there is, this, and that's not always available through other efforts at the city uh, and the work that they do, right? So the way, that, the way that transportation funding has evolved over the last century has created these grant programs mm -hmm. that most jurisdictions seek to do most of their work because transportation is so expensive. So that we can use, so that we can use the little funding that we have, let's say that we have $2 million to leverage or bring in $20 million mm -hmm. uh, worth, worth of work. So from a financial standpoint, I, I, I see why that process is. Um, but really that is a policy decision of our policymakers and our policymakers are city council. Mm -hmm. Sure. Can I do a two part, an A and B question? I know it's terrible. Um, I guess, yeah, yeah, absolutely, policy decision that was made somewhere along the line. Um, and I think where uh, some folks get a little bit confused about why some things seem to take so long when some things happen fast is uh, perhaps an example you could perhaps uh, use as an anecdote. Something like the protected bike lanes in downtown. We're in a plan, grid 3.0 maybe, and then all of a sudden, it seemed like, you know, it wasn't snap of the fingers, but it was over a course of maybe a few years. Those happened with not the two years of a grant cycle and then another two years and then another two years. So how do, 
sort of a rhetorical question because I know the answer, but how did that follow a different pathway? <laughs> okay, so uh, thank you, Commissioner Lee, for that question. For folks that weren't around in 2017, 16, I'm forgetting the exact year. Um, 2016 is when Grid 3.0 was completed. Sparky Harris was the, the lead planner on that, which included the plan for the central city, the grid, and the transportation network. It can transit, walking, biking, vehicular modes of travel. Um, we also had, at the same time, uh, a new mayor who came on board, our current mayor, Mayor Steinberg. And at that time, there was a mid-year budget surplus. And so the bicycling, he was excited about bicycling. He said, of this mid-year budget surplus, $2.25 million, I want it to go to bicycling, and I want it to be distributed equally through all city council districts. And so we worked with uh, our commission, I think it was a committee at the time, uh, our bicycle advisory committee, and, and city council members to identify what those could be. And, and, and the mayor asked that it be done within a year, which was ambitious. Um, and, and so they, that moved quickly. I will say, though, that we grossly underestimated how much the separated bikeways on the central city would cost. And I think we estimated, I think we had 200, I think each council district got $230,000 and we had some unused specific to downtown money that we were able to couple with it. And I think we thought it cost a half million dollars and it cost a lot more than that. Um, but that is how that moved quickly. Um, we had, um, they didn't require road diets, again, because we did them on streets that essentially had bike lanes on both sides of the street, so we didn't have to go through the environmental clearance, we didn't have to go through that traffic analysis. Um, and so we were, they, were, they were a relatively low-hanging fruit. Um, not easy, and it was a, an incredible learning curve for our engineering team to figure out our first ever separated bikeways and how to do it. Um, so that, that's the story on how that moved fast. I would say that um, at our city council, we're not experiencing um, budget surpluses anymore, and that um, we would come back with a more realistic cost estimate than we did back in 2016-2017. Thank you for that. You're just able to like share this historical information off the top of your head. It's very impressive. Uh, Commissioner Harris. Yeah, thank you so much for that wonderful presentation. Um, I'm curious for active transportation improvements that have been identified in the general plan for areas that um, lack sidewalks, um, bicycles. There's a few targeted areas, like around the Marconi Station, um, that's, that say that you know, it's in the general plan. I'm curious how that fits into this process, since the purpose, as I understand it, the general plan is to you know, help make that decision-making easier, but also it's obviously not a site-specific plan. Correct. So the, the general plan typically does not have infrastructure improvements identified in it. There are a couple of outlier examples. Um, and I don't remember if the Marconi Station area is in there or not in there, but we'll roll with it and say that it is. You know, I haven't read the general plan in a little bit. But that just means that it's in there and it's approved by city council. It also benefits from some level of environmental clearance by being in the general plan because the environmental clearance is covered. But it doesn't change the priority. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we went through the transportation priorities plan is to figure out of all of our needs, where, where does our investment go? Um, and so definitely benefit of it having been in the general plan, um, but no, it does not change the outcome and the process that it moves forward. It still needs to go through all the same steps that were outlined there. Can I get a second question? 
<laughs> um, go on that road, on the roller coaster twice. Um, so I'm curious on how projects make it into that first phase of planning, that first staff internal effort, um, and how how the decision made is on what size and how that's, um, you know, how equity is considered both throughout the city as well as um, with historic disadvantaged communities. Um, and what that backlog ends up looking like and how the commission can best participate in this entire process. Where, where should we be weighing in? Where can we be the most helpful? So I cheated, it was multiple questions. <laughs> Um, many questions, thank you, Commissioner Harris. I think first to start with, like how do we get into that first phase from idea to a plan is it has to first meet these criteria. So maybe not historically, maybe, maybe historically it was the loudest voice in the room um, who said I need this plan and this might be happen, but through the transportation priorities plan we were able to create a set of criteria um, and these are the criteria. So any effort that my team picks up as a planning effort uh, that requires transportation funding it needs to go through these. Um, so that's the first step. And then it's matching it up to the grant program, which is essentially one grant program, the Caltrans Transportation Planning Grant. And how does it meet that criteria? Is it that going to be competitive in that grant program? Because um, again, we typically don't fund things um, out of the city's general fund. So how is that gonna be competitive there? And then how does it compete with other needs? Everything is competitive, right? So, so how does it compete with the grants, but then also how do, we, before we even get to that, Let's say that we have 10 planning needs. Uh, which one is the most urgent? Which one needs to move forward? Or which, which ones, because it could be multiple that we apply for, but we're probably only gonna get one grant through this grant cycle. Um, so which ones will probably apply for anywhere between two and four, traditionally since I've been at the city, that's what we do. Um, and then we maybe get one, maybe two, if we're lucky, two. So that's how we get to that, and then if we're awarded the funding, then we move forward with that. And so the, the competitive nature, once we get past these five criteria, you know, good chance you can get in the hopper if it's a community identified vision. Um, but then it's the, well, what are our other needs? How does it compete um, with whatever funding it is, which is typically the Caltrans funding cycle. Does that answer your question? No. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's still, I mean, there's still a multitude of of obviously worthy projects to, to get onto that list and I understand staff time is limited so I guess it's just that sort of balance of how how does something rise to even that first step I understand that it's got to go through all this criteria to even make it um, but and and I guess the other portion was and how can we as the Commission be helpful well, I think sometimes the, how does it rise to a level of even us being aware of ideas? Sometimes it's brought to us. So I'll go back to the example of Broadway. Broadway was brought to us by the Business Improvement District. In fact, they developed their own plan and brought it to us. Or Envision Broadway in Oak Park. That was brought to us by the Neighborhood Association, who said, we have this plan. They hired Walk Sacramento, which is now Civic Thread, to do a planning effort. Um, they did, the Neighborhood Association did the planning effort. They brought it to us. We applied for a grant. We apply for a grant and then we work through that process. Sometimes it's through our other plans, like the Vision Zero Action Plan, which identified the 10 corridors in the city with the highest numbers of severe injuries and fatalities. So now those 10 corridors are on our planning list to move forward to go through that planning process. 
Um, sometimes it might be through the, what is currently the Bicycle Master Plan. There might be a high priority effort in there that we move forward. Um, or last but not least, um, it might be something that had been done and uh, approved by council but doesn't have enough information to go on to the next phase of a preliminary design. So one example is Norwood. Norwood Avenue in North Sacramento, 10, 12 years ago, had made it onto the old transportation programming guide for a corridor revisioning, streetscape, safety improvement. But it didn't really define what was in there. So it's not actually a plan. But it came up as high priority in the transportation priorities plan because it had been approved by council. So we applied for Norwood to the Caltrans planning grant um, because it was a high priority in the TPP. There was an idea. Um, and we wanted to move it forward so that it could be eligible for future phases of preliminary design and environmental clearance. So there are a number of ways that we, we hear about or learn about or ideas become potential planning efforts. Um, and I think as a commission, how can you contribute is by sharing that. Your official role is to advise staff and advise council. So while you don't direct our work, you can, as a commission, say, hey, transportation planning team, these are things that are important to us and we want you to look at it. Uh, and then we can add it to the list of things that we have to look at and see how we can move it forward. Thank you. I see any additional hands. Um, this item was received in discussion, so I think we've done that. Uh, so thank you, Jennifer, um, for your presentation. And we will um, now move on to the next item, which is member comments and ideas or questions. Also meeting and conference report, if you have that. Um, is there any commissioners who wish to speak? And a reminder, this is a time if you want to add anything to the log that you could do so now. Um, oh, wow, okay. That spurred conversation. <laughs> Commissioner Hopped. Thank you. A really quick question. Have we heard anything from SACOG about the uh, funding requests that the City Council approved a few months ago? And if not, do we know when we'll hear something? Commissioner Hopps, um, we have not heard. We anticipate maybe in the next month we'll hear. So wish us luck. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. Uh, sure. So um, uh, first, I'd like to just um, do a little acknowledgement of some of the traffic violence that has unfortunately happened in our region in the last, basically since our last meeting. Um, there were two deaths in Davis actually on the same day, April 10th, two pedestrians. Um, one was a potential DUI hit and one was a hit and run. Uh, a woman in Rancho Cordova, name not yet identified, a hit and run on Bradshaw Road. It's um, a very dangerous road if you've been on it for before. Then um, a uh, Roger Carroll, uh, 62, he was the finance director and treasurer for the town of Loomis. Uh, he was cycling at the time. He was killed in Western Placer County. And then um, just, again, a couple blocks here, uh, Sean Mugen Piraburabon, I really hope I pronounced that right, 50-year-old. Uh, he lived in Rockland. Um, he worked um, as an engineer at the Department of Water Resources, and there was a collision by a car um, approximately on 8th Street and P um, right here. So um, there's a lot of work we need to do on these areas. So I want to first acknowledge that because I think that's a lot of the reasons what drives us all here. 
Um, but on um, business for this commission specifically, um, I have a log request, and I just want to confirm I have the correct process um, for that. Um, I can make a verbal request and a written one, or does it need to be a written one? Commissioner Gibson, what we ask is that, because there are questions that need to be answered in order for it to get on the log, um, if you're prepared to answer all questions today, fantastic. If you are not, um, what we do is we ask that you request it today and follow up with me within a week, answering all questions which are listed in the log item of today's agenda. Uh, thank you for clarifying, and um, I'll send an email, and I believe it's to uh, you, Jennifer, right? Or, yes. Uh, uh, thank you for clarifying. Uh, just so for my fellow commissioners, I'll be looking to request for a update of the alfresco dining. I've heard from a community member that no permits have been issued um, as of a month ago um, for alfresco dining. Um, uh, and then also a request to follow up on the um, safe streets or the closed streets. Um, I don't, don't really know, know the exact name of this, but specifically for KN20 and then R on 14th and 15th since those have been reopened back up to vehicles. So request, um, I'll send a written one um, in the coming days, um, uh, request to discuss those issues. Thank you so much, Commissioner Gibson, and, and for really um, bringing to light all the, the traffic violence that continues to happen um, in our city and across the region. So we all have a lot of work to do. Um, I specifically you know, spoke with my council member, who I know is um, in conversations with the state agency um, directly adjacent um, to this, and I know, sorry. Commissioner Hodel, you're up next. Would you like to say something? Thank you. Um, I have two things. At the beginning of our meeting, um, you did a staff report. So there's like a short one at the beginning and then your longer one at the end, correct? And at the beginning, you mentioned, I don't there were like six items. I'm wondering if you could include next time like a, a graphic or just the topics that you're going to cover. I was writing as fast as I could, but you went kind of quickly and I missed a couple. So I'm just wondering if it, that could be written so that we could refer to it as you are covering those items. Um, my other one is about the commissioner's log. I looked at it and I noticed there are some things on there that were listed in January and I believe then again in March. And when do those things come up for presentation or discussion or I, for example, there was one on there about um, uh, con construction detour policy. And I had my own uh, personal event with an event closing uh, a bike trail and not providing a detour. And so again, that's part of the detour policy. So I'm just wondering, and that's already been listed, I'm just wondering when we're, that will come up for uh, discussion as a policy. Maybe I have three. Um, there was a comment listed, um, an e-comment before the meeting um, began, and I just wanted to ag agree with that person who said that um, we should do more inputting of policy. Um, today we heard we got some updates on projects where the construction is already beginning. There was some input from commissioners, but really it's kind of too late, it seems like, for that input to be effective. So um, 
I'm just curious about how the commissioner's log works and when these topics are resolved or moved along. Commissioner Hodel, great questions. I want to start with your first one on my, 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 my oral report. Um, it's meant to be oral only and a quick update on things that have already been at the commission. Um, I'm hesitant to put anything in writing or create a, because that's another staff report and an incredible process for us to go through in order to do that. So I think my, my options realistically are to continue orally only um, or not to provide that update. I don't know if I have the resources to do a full staff report um, moving forward. So just know how that process is. It was meant to benefit and give commissioners an update on things that you had heard. You are new, so you haven't heard those things before. I'm happy to have a quick conversation with you on those things that you missed. Um, offline to fill you in on what those were. So that was the first question. The uh, second question is uh, on things on the log and the dates. We'll double check to make sure. We have anticipated dates of when things will come. We have dates on when things were added to the log and then when things we anticipate will come. We will confirm that the anticipated dates are relatively close to accurate. I don't think I reviewed it for this session. Um, and it's, a, it's a, an estimate based on our workload and things always seem to take longer than we anticipate. Um, the work zone construction is a little bit behind schedule. Uh, our challenge with that is that we, there were ch staffing challenges and then followed up with, we wanted to make sure the policy was workable and we gave our teams the right tools to be successful in implementing it, which has delayed us a little bit. Um, I'm hoping to come to you late summer, fall, early fall with that work zone detour. And then the last question, while I'm going through your questions, what was the question, what was the last question? Oh. about yeah, influencing policy. Correct. Um, so, Commissioner Hodel, staff are not policymakers. This commission is not a policymaker. The only policymakers are the City of Sacramento or the City Council. Um, and so, if City Council directs staff to work on a policy, we will definitely bring that before you. Um, we'll directs the City Manager to have staff work on a policy. We will work on a policy. At this point, I think the, the key policies that we will be working on are the work zone detours. Um, we will be updating our transportation demand management ordinance and regulations, and that will come before you. Um, but at this point, we don't have other policies that staff are working on that we will bring forth before you as your powers and duties are to advise staff on things that we're working on. And so as we work on it, we will bring it before you. And apologies um, to others on the commission. I just feel like we kind of keep having this conversation. Um, okay, I do see a hand from Commissioner Banks. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can be talking about something that's not on the agenda right now. Can I? Is this that time? This is that time, yes. <laughs> I missed it. Um, okay, well, guess what next week is? It's May, and so I'm here to talk to you guys about May is Bike Month uh, because it's going to be all month long, and right now, as I look around this commission, I know who has reached out to Saba to do some kind of cool, wonderful event uh, with their commission or in their neighborhood or with another organization. I know, and so I'm going to encourage all of you guys to please, yet again, jump back to your... Um, district or the organizations that you're working with, your friends, neighborhood associations, whoever, and come up with some great activities for Mayo's Bike Month, all you have to do is get an account, log on, could possibly win some prizes, 
And of course, we have a bunch of swag and all that kind of stuff to help um, sweeten the deal. So there's a lot going on for May. I can't tell you how busy the calendar is. It feels like last year was busy. This year is even more so. It's going to be really great. And I really encourage all of you. We are active transportation commissioners. So I want to see everybody get active on their bicycles during May. Thanks. So much for that May is Bike Month plug. There's a lot going on, definitely. So really appreciate all the work that Saba and, and our partners are doing. Um, I had just had a couple items. Um, one was wondering if we could get an update on the status of walking and biking, um, on, on where that effort is at exactly. I've, I've reached out to my council member. It hasn't gone to PNPE. They don't know what we were told it was gonna go to them maybe in May. Um, but again, you know, we approved that report in January as a commission, it's almost May, um, and we haven't seen kind of any movement. So um, if it's not gonna go to them, I will gladly submit it to council, um, but I'm trying to play by the rules, you know, that were established. Um, so yeah, just curious if we can get any kind of update on where that's at, and maybe I should be looking at you and not Jennifer so much. <laughs> Um, I'll have to get back to you on that. I will uh, speak with uh, the city clerk. Okay, yeah, that would be great. Thank you, because we're really eager to do that and also just to get a better, I think, understanding of what the new processes is for our group. It still seems that each commission is run a little bit differently and um, I think the whole idea was that that wouldn't be the case. So yeah, if we could get any sort of direction on how we can, you know, be consistent moving forward and produce whatever kind of report we need to. That would be great. So thank you. Um, and then I just had a couple things to add to the log, so I'll follow up with you again. I don't believe it's already on there, but would love to get a follow-up um, on our November presentation we had on the red light cameras. I know Commissioner Carpenter had quite a few questions, um, and we were told at that time that they would come back. So I think I just want to actually add that request to the log, and I'll look back at the November meeting to, to make sure we're capturing the questions that she asked there, but I think that'd be good. Um, I know we're still waiting you know, on the investigation um, for um, the incident that happened on P and 8th, but you know, if it was associated with someone running a red light on red, um, I think, think it would be really great if we could avoid um, right turn on reds in, in that area since it's so heavily trafficked by people walking. Um, the next item was just a general, or request, I guess, uh, was just a general update on 311 and bicycle and pedestrian um, concerns that are submitted to that department. Um, I've had my own interaction with, um, you know, kind of enforcement officers not totally understanding the, the, you know, different bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure that is in the city, and so I think an update on, on 311 and the kind of training that's available to our enforcement, enforcement uh, folks um, would, would be helpful, so. Yeah. Chair, can you clarify that a little bit so yeah. I can help direct it to the right people? Of course, yeah, so specifically what occurred, um, I submitted a 311 request um, about one of the painted bicycle and pedestrian uh, like parking spots that we have across the city. Um, and then I had a 311, um, and I don't know what their official titles are, sorry, I just keep calling them enforcement people, but. Um, anywho, I had someone call me and uh, explain that they had no idea what that painting was for and that it even existed in the city. So um, 
it was a little concerning to me, considering how long that they've been in place across the city, um, that the city's own staff didn't even know what it was. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of where where um, that specific request came in. But also just in general, there's you know locations across the city where I'm repeatedly submitting requests. Um, and even the folks on the call are like, oh yeah, we get this call all the time. Um, in particular on, on L Street in front of the cabin, there's often you know, 10 to 20 motorcycles parked um, in the bike lane there. Um, so you know, when our folks that are managing 311 are continuing to see the same issue, I you know, would love to know what we're doing to prevent that from happening. Um, so it's a long-winded way of, yeah, <laughs> just getting a better understanding of the amount of 311 requests that are coming in. Chair, uh, I'm trying to focus of who. Yeah. Is. 301 is a, an entity that takes in calls and then distributes calls, right? Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm hearing that there's concern about whether our 311 operators yeah. know what a drop zone is. Yeah. Um, and that's something I think we can relatively fix, and that's an operator thing. I think the other thing I'm hearing is sounds like it's related to parking mm -hmm. because the, it sounds like you're parked motorcycles in a bike lane. So that might be um, a, a, a parking enforcement issue with our parking division. Um, and we can look mm -hmm. into that and see if they have that sort of information. I will share just so folks know, our parking enforcement teams are severely understaffed with a lot of unfilled positions and we don't have the resources to do parking enforcement um, at any significant level. Uh, I think it's a challenge that we're facing right now um, with the city, but I will check in with our parking team. Um, I think that's probably the most appropriate for that question um, related to 301 parking issues. If there are other 301 issues related to design or hotspot issues, that's a whole different group of folks. So trying to focus where yeah. I should connect yeah, yeah. the dots. No, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I do. I definitely think it's a parking, and I think I was transferred to a parking enforcement person, um, specifically with the drop zones. Um, so yeah, so I think that's yeah a good a good point to make. Um, and then yeah, I'll try to refine the the specifics around the the operator, but um, yeah, I think just in general, like having a better understanding of you know how how often are we actually hearing from people about you know specific specific bicycle and pedestrian issues via 311, um, I think could be useful because we're, yeah. So anyway, I'm seeing some nods. So maybe I can collaborate with another commissioner. We, we can have more than one person um, on a log item. So looking at the three of you who have been nodding, <laughs> maybe we could do that. Um, yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, and the the last one, uh, just around separated bikeways, but I think we're you're gonna be coming forward and and we're gonna be looking at the street design um, guidelines. And so I think there's an opportunity to look at you know how we're building separated bikeways um, moving forward. Um, but as someone who regularly travels on J Street, um, definitely see some improvements that could take place there, uh, specifically around the intersections. Um, I've almost been hit multiple times riding my bike. Um, uh, in those intersections because there's a, a blind spot because the vehicle is allowed to park uh, so close to the intersection. So um, maybe I'll just hold off on adding this to the log, but something I would love um, to see discussed. Awesome. Okay. Don't see any additional hands. 
Um, the last item is public comments, matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on public comments, matters not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one hand raised online. Uh, Casey. Hi, uh, thank you for taking my comments. Uh, I appreciate the kind of conscientiousness about the pedestrians in uh, Sacramento and elsewhere who have been unfortunately um, you know, killed by, by cars. And I appreciate the efforts taking place here to kind of uh, prevent that. I recognize that the kind of primary focus of the ATC, at least from what I've seen, is more around infrastructure and evaluating large projects, uh, which as JDW illustrated, is a very long process with many layers and lots of moving parts. What I wanted to kind of surface in this call is exploring alternative ways, um, maybe seeing what mechanisms the ATC has at their disposal to explore alternative ways to make the city more pedestrian oriented and kind of allow for more active transportation. Some of the things top of mind for me are LPIs at every traffic light. I'd implore the, the uh, commissioners here today to ask their traffic engineers what the use case is for not having an LPI, um, because in my mind, they should just be everywhere. So that's one example. I think uh, cracking down on red light running is another area where we can kind of um, control the chaos on the streets and the high kind of speeds that cars travel at in dense urban areas. Uh, the third area where I would implore the ATC members to kind of explore uh, other options would be, uh, like Don mentioned, kind of prioritizing the Alfresco program review. I spoke with Matt Ironman. He told me zero of 85 applications had been approved for the Alfresco program. This was two months ago. They started taking applications in October. So it seems like they're floundering or failing and we kind of need to figure out why that is. Thank you for your comments. Chair, I have no more members of the public with their hands raised. Thank you so much and, and thank you to our caller for um, providing those recommendations and, and also kind of sharing uh, what you've, conversations that you've had with city staff. I think we definitely have some, some more work to do out there. Um, but that concludes um, today's agenda. So unless there's any other questions from those on the commission, um, our meeting is adjourned. And thank you everyone for your participation today. Oh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>